Ramble. To be completely transparent with you, I am still at that stage in my life where if you tell me, hey, something's going to make you feel better or something's going to make your skin clear, I'll probably be like, give me the clear skin. But growing up is realizing that you can have both. And I have made it a habit to implement things in my life that let me have both. Did you know that your gut health really impacts your skin health? And not just skin, apparently your gut health can impact your immune system, your energy levels, even your mental health. That is why I've now added my favorite probiotic from Symbiotica to my morning routine. It sounds weird to say, but Symbiotica's health supplements are now part of my skincare routine almost. If you guys don't know, Symbiotica is a supplement company that only uses clean premium ingredients in its formulas. No seed oils, no fillers, no additives, no natural flavors, and no artificial ingredients. Symbiotica also formulates all of their supplements for optimal absorption. For example, I love their vitamin C so much, which is also really good for your skin. If you didn't know, everybody loves it. I mean, it's probably the most popular vitamin C amongst all of my friends and family. We love Symbiotica. Their vitamin C is formulated with liposomal technology, which basically means the vitamin C is delivered to the part of your digestive tract where it can be optimally absorbed. And I just love throwing one in my bag on the go, especially when I'm traveling. Symbiotica makes it so easy to stick to a routine, not just because of their supplements being great and tasting great and making me feel great, but also because they get delivered monthly. That means I never have to worry about refilling my supplements or running out and it's just so easy to pause a delivery or add a new supplement to my delivery. With Symbiotica, I've really noticed an improvement in my skin health, but also I feel like I have more energy and mental clarity. Symbiotica has countless high quality supplements that you can choose from. Sleep supplements, cognitive supplements, anti-aging supplements. If you're not sure which supplements would be best for your specific needs, you can do a short quiz on Symbiotica's website and they'll recommend what you could benefit from. This year is your year. Are you ready to feel the results? Head over to Symbiotica.com and use code ROTTEN for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. That's symbiotica.com and use code ROTTEN. Bada bing, bada boom. Welcome to this week's main episode of Rotten Mango. I'm your host, Stephanie Sue. He stomped the snow off his boots. It's nearly 3.30 in the morning, February 22nd of 2022. This is a recent case. There was this unmistakable iciness in the air. It was as if Mother Nature herself was telling everyone, stay inside. Nothing good is going to happen at an hour like this. Go inside, lock your doors, keep yourself hidden. These were the whispers hidden in the harsh winds. Of course, news stations didn't say that. They just said, ice storm, beware. He stomped the snow off his boots, knocked on the door. The woman who opened the door didn't even seem phased by the cold air that was now invading her home. She didn't even feel it. I mean, in fact, she didn't even seem to notice that her skin involuntarily formed these tiny little goosebumps on the surface. Her eyes were bloodshot. Something indicated to him that she was dealing with something far scarier than these winter storms. She nodded her head towards the basement door. He followed her down. And just as how ice blanketed the streets, blood covered this woman's basement. He soaked it all in. Of course, being a police officer in Green Bay, Wisconsin, there was always that one case, that one story that probably stuck with him, as well as all the other officers in the area. You see, Green Bay is a close drive to Milwaukee, Wisconsin. In 2022, Milwaukee was under a flurry of ice and snow as well. But that's not the only reason people stayed inside their homes late at night. Most of them would never be able to forget the terror, the havoc that Jeffrey Dahmer had wreaked on the entire town, on the entire nation. The officer hoped that this wasn't another situation like that. I'm sorry, Tara, could you please tell me again what happened? 
She stood there and she recounted what her night looked like. So that's when you came down here and you saw your son here, like this? They both glance down and the officer squats down and Tara looks away. She had seen enough already, more than what any mother should have to see, more than what any mother should have to endure in her lifetime. He peeled back the towel and well, the decapitated head of her son, the severed head of Tara's son was sitting in a black bucket. The officer had just opened a can of worms that would lead everyone to believe a female Jeffrey Dahmer was on the loose. Now, as always, full show notes are available at RottenMangoPodcast.com. This is, this is a current case. Actually, the last trial proceeding court hearing was February 27th, so a few days before you're hearing this. The trial is going to start March 6th. It's going to be absolutely bonkers. I don't even understand how we're going to sit through a trial like this. A huge part of the research was based on the official criminal complaint that just detailed the whole arrest. Please give that a read. It's incredibly intense. And before we get into the story, if you guys are enjoying these episodes, I have something very exciting in the works. We're launching video podcasts over on YouTube and on Spotify. It's going to be in the description of this episode and as well as our pod description. But the channel name is Rotten Mango. With every mini-sode, there's going to be a video to go along with it. So this week's mini-sode, there's going to be a video up a couple hours, maybe a little bit later than the audio. And there's just so many cases where I want you guys to see the interviews. I want you guys to see the clips, the pictures of the crime scenes. So that's going to be on YouTube or Spotify. And don't worry if you're strictly here for audios, nothing is changing. So please go subscribe, check it out. And with that being said, let's get into the case. Boom. Tara snaps awake. Did you hear that? She squints and she's trying to listen to what the noise could have been. It kind of sounded like a door slamming shut. Maybe a door being slammed open and hitting the wall with such force. Then she hears the sound of a car speeding away. Okay, that was strange. It's like three in the morning. It didn't sound like a neighbor's car. The door didn't sound like a neighbor's door. It sounded much closer. It sounded like it was coming from her house. Tara gets up and she tiptoes to the window. Nothing strange. Everything seems peaceful. Everybody's tucked away in their homes, bracing for this ice storm. But you can never be too sure these days. Maybe the icy wind slammed her door open. And you also don't know what kind of evil people are out there. She's trying to be on the safe side. Tara goes downstairs to investigate and her front door was closed just like she had left it. Nothing seemed out of place. It didn't seem like robbers were coming in, storming through the place looking for valuables. There were no shadowy figures lurking behind doors. And she's about to head back into her room when she sees that the basement light is on. Okay, that was strange. Her son must have forgotten to turn off the light. I mean, it's a common struggle that most moms can relate to when their kids turn on the lights, waste the power, running up the electricity bill. Tara found it hard to be upset with her son, though. His name is Shad, and he was always kind of a kind of a softy. So she rubbed her eyes, walked down the steep basement steps, trying to be as careful and as light as possible. Maybe Shad fell asleep with the lights on. He, he sleeps in the basement, you know, but she felt a little bit groggy. She makes it down, rubbing her eyes, turns off the lights. And just as she turns, just as she's about to walk back up the stairs and crawl back into her warm, comfortable bed, she notices a bucket and it was placed right at the bottom of the stairs. A black plastic bucket covered with a bath towel. And I don't know. Maybe it's the threat of the ice storm outside. Maybe this bucket was just unsettling. It was just a random bucket at the bottom of the stairs. In that split second, Tara decided, and I don't know if this is a choice she would later regret, if she could go back in time and change things, would she still have chosen to do this very action? But she bent down, 
removed the bath towel, and she was staring at her son's severed head. The officers drove up to the apartment complex. This is after they had seen Shad's severed head. This is after they were already on this homicide investigation. They drive up to the suspect's apartment complex. And that's the thing you learn about being an officer is that you just never really know who's capable of what. Sure, Taylor did not have the cleanest record, but the officers never believed that she would be someone that people would soon compare to a female Jeffrey Dahmer. She was this young mom who spent a lot of time doing beadwork, trying to make a living as a small-time artist. But now, standing in front of them was Taylor Shabusiness. Okay, so her last name is Taylor Shabusiness. And I keep wanting to say Shabusiness because that's why she changed her last name to Shabusiness. I'm confused. What's her last name? It's spelled Shabusiness, but she pronounces it business it's a whole thing we're gonna get into it okay so, so she goes by either or yes okay now taylor is standing in front of the police who have their hands at their waist ready to draw their guns at any moment because i mean they were pretty certain they had the right person this was no ordinary suspect interrogation where they're like hey can you come in to talk about a murder because taylor quite literally had blood on her hands her hands were stained with blood imagine you had taken red paint rubbed them into your palms like you're moisturizing your hands wash them off under a stream of water wipe them on a paper towel and boom it's just completely stained the palm of your hand is going to be red it's going to be that tinted red her hands are red yeah and there's dried blood specks on her sweatshirt and black pants she had literally been caught red-handed they exchanged glances. The officers exchanged glances with each other before asking her, Taylor, do you know why we're here? Yes, because you have a warrant out for my arrest. Okay, well, Taylor, just so you know, time's up. We found his severed head in the basement. She slowly responded. That's pretty fucked up. So what happened, Taylor? It's okay, you can tell us. We can help you. Just tell us what happened. Well, that's a good question, isn't it? So she's, she's playing this weird game with the interrogators. It's just bizarre. Now, later to the same question, Taylor would turn the tables on the investigators and ask them something that she deemed was a genuine question. She said, officer, do you know what it's like to love something so much that you have to kill it? Whoa. The officers did not understand. Now, there's two key people involved in today's case, and it's interesting to see both of their social media accounts. Because this is a newer case and it's ongoing, we don't have a plethora of information about these people's childhoods, about what their life was like and what they wanted to achieve before their life was taken. All we can do is try to connect the pieces. And it's interesting to see both of their social media accounts because they never posted about each other, at least not directly. So if we didn't know what happens later, we wouldn't even know that they were friends. There's no pictures of them posted together. There's no posts that explicitly mention the other person, tag the other person. The only thing that they seem to have in common is their age. They were both 24 years old and they had both gone to the same high school. Now, we don't know if they knew each other in high school. We don't know how friendly they were in high school, but it can be assumed that they met in high school. And even when you go through Taylor's page and then when you go through Shad's page, it seems like they were having two completely different human life experiences. Just different. The only connection that they had was that they were friends with benefits. They mm -hmm. hooked up now and then. It's hard to tell how deep their friendship or relationship went. It's not sure, but let's start with Shad. I know some people have mixed feelings on social media posts. 
Like how much is sharing too much? How much is too much negativity that you're putting out into the world? How much is too personal? Clearly, I am not the one to be answering that question. I feel like people who post nonstop about their feelings, I don't think it's for attention. I don't think that they're narcissists that just can't stop talking about themselves. And I hate to sound like one of those armchair psychologists, but I think that they just need someone. Maybe they just need someone to reach out to them, to check in on how they're doing, to see if they're okay. And I feel like that was the situation with Shad. Shad posted very frequently about his feelings. He posted about eight times a day on Facebook. And most of the posts were cryptic, if not sad. He wrote February 20th, 2022. So just a day or two before his murder. He posted with nobody's help. I gladly say fuck you all for no help. Another one the same day read stay away because you're going to live a happier life than I am. Another one. You won't value a relationship until you ruin one. It seems like he was going through it, or I'm just going to rapid fire list some of his posts because I think this is the best insight that we have on Shad so far. Sometimes you have to stay busy so you don't have time to feel. I'm still waiting silently. I'm sorry I wasn't good enough. Believe me, I tried. The way that they leave tells you everything. I've changed a lot by pain. Today I'm asking to be changed by love instead. I wanted to feel loved without feeling like I was begging for it. I'm almost done breaking my own heart. So posts like this led to the online speculation that maybe Shad wanted more than just a friends with benefits relationship with Taylor Shipp business. Some of his posts were really hard to read in the sense that he just seemed so sad. He wrote, I swear the three times my little sister stood up for me was more than most of you. And she's only 10 years old. Shad never really posted pictures about himself, but when he did, and I don't know if hindsight makes my heart ache for this guy, but it looks like he was a guy that was trying to be silly, trying to be goofy, trying to find his way in the world, but he's also battling a lot of these potentially negative feelings. It just, he seems very torn as a person. He hasn't really found his way yet. There's this one picture of him where he's pointing a little sword at the camera. Okay, I know in the context of a true crime podcast, it sounds super scary and creepy and weird, but it wasn't. His chest is puffed out and he's leaning back. And the picture is just so reminiscent of the times that you're cleaning your room and you get so distracted, you start messing around with random things that you forgot you had. That's kind of the the feeling of the picture. People who knew Shad said, you know, he's a compassionate guy. He always put other people first and maybe to a fault. Like, the guy just really cared. He was outdoorsy. The guy loved camping. Oh, man, he loved playing video games with his family. He was fascinated by different languages. I think at one point he was trying to learn Russian, Dutch, Japanese, and French. I don't know if it was all at the same time. (laughs) Uh, He loved to play chess. Oh, he loved wood carving. So, again, I don't know why it's so easy to relate to him, but he just seems like he is lost. And he just seems like he wants to do something with his life, but maybe he's having a hard time overcoming some thoughts of depression, anxiety, and it's just rough. I also think the fact that he loves wood carving, I mean, the amount of patience I imagine would go into something like that. I think it's also really cool when people have these passions and hobbies that are so different from the rest. Now, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Shad would sometimes end up on the path of self-destruction. It's not that he was a bad person, at least that we know of. It's not that he wanted to hurt people. I think that he himself was just hurting. He would resort to self-medicating with alcohol, sometimes with harder drugs such as meth. He had been arrested before for disorderly conduct, and it seems like he's intoxicated in the mugshots, I'm going to be honest. So again, it just feels like someone who's struggling a lot. And who knows, maybe he would have gotten his life together and found a path for him. 
but someone would rip his chances away. This is all a stark contrast to the life of Taylor Shabiznis. Her Facebook page indicated someone that was more stable, which I mean, okay, if this doesn't show you that we shouldn't believe what we see on social media, I don't know what does, but by all accounts, her social media made her seem very stable, not unhinged in any way, not even evil. She posted frequently about UFC. She loved the Green Bay Packers when she had this little baby that she loved. She was a little bit opinionated, but not in like a controversial way. She would post things like, leaving your hometown in your 20s is a life hack. She would rant. If you're a young person, I highly suggest you create a plan and move away from your hometown. Leaving the typical norms you grew up in is going to help you develop as an individual. It's going to force you to grow up in ways that just staying home can't do. She writes in a very motivational, inspirational way. Your environment plays a huge role in how you feel and how you think, how you carry yourself, who you hang out with, what you care about, what you do. Once you switch that, you switch your whole focus. I can't stress this enough. Get out of your hometown. There's more to life than the same 10 people and the same two bars. What? So she's not from the current state, I'm assuming? So or? her Facebook says that she's from California, but she's not from California. She's from Wisconsin, but at one point she lived in Texas. And this is taking place in? Wisconsin. But her oh. Facebook profile said that she was located in California, which is untrue. Okay. Now, I don't know mm. if she had lived in California prior to this because she did travel around a lot. Okay. So she just said traveling around, bouncing from town to town really helped develop her as a person. We see okay. through Facebook, she has a young son. The father's not physically present in the picture because he's um he's in prison. The father's name is Warren Shabiznis. Now, I tried to look into it and I was wondering, okay, maybe Warren Shabiznis, that's his name. She gets married to Warren and changes her maiden name. No. They're the same last name? No. She changed her name to Shabiznis and Warren Shabiznis, I don't think that's his real last name because I tried to look him up in the prison system in Wisconsin and I can't find his inmate number or anything. So I think that his Facebook profile, he just took on the last name of Shabiznis. Mm. But I believe his legal last name is something else. Oh, okay. So he kind of took her last name? Yes. Okay. Because, you know, her last name is cooler, like Shabiznis. I don't know why she changed it to that. We're going to get into a little bit of that name change. Now, Taylor posted a picture of a baby that, th this is not her baby, had his arms pinned down with dumbbells, presumably so the parents could change the baby's diapers. The post was supposed to be this funny hee-hee-ha-ha -ha parenting moment, but someone commented, that aged like a gallon of milk on a hot day. So under all of this, under all these cute little posts of like hee-hee parenting moments, under this facade of a happy, healthy young woman trying to raise her child in the absence of their father, Taylor had her own dark past. She had a lot of demons that she was fighting. She had a, uh, a pretty lengthy criminal history. There were six case records against her in the state of Wisconsin. In August of 2020, Taylor was arrested and charged with fleeing and obstructing a police officer. She's allowed on bond, but she had to make a few promises to get out. She had to be completely sober. She wasn't allowed to drive, and she had to wear this pharma patch. Have you ever heard of a pharma patch? It, no. It's like this interesting little sticker. Okay, it's not that little. Maybe it's the size of a credit card. It's patched onto your arm, and it tests your sweat for drug use. Oh, yeah. Oh, you know? <laughs> Have you no, I've, I've seen some YouTube videos. Yeah. Oh. Okay, so in all these past relationships, you know, Taylor is the type to constantly break promises. But her partners would forgive her. Her parents would forgive her. She just had this charm to her. The government was not so easily pleased. She kept violating the terms of her bond and the judge had to constantly put out warrants for her arrest until finally she was found guilty of battery and threatening of a judge and or police officer. 
She did not learn her lesson. She did the same thing again. She was found with drug paraphernalia in her car and decided, I'm going to try to outrun the cops. I think I could be speedier than them. She was arrested once more January of 2020, and she's technically on probation when this beheading took place. In fact, some sources allege that she cut off her ankle bracelet because she's supposed to be on house arrest, cut it off two days before the murder, which begs the question, was she planning on doing something that she wasn't supposed to do? Now, Taylor was born Taylor Coronado. Okay, we're getting into the name change now. And I'm not particularly sure why she decided to change her name. It's not through marriage. Like I said, there wasn't an ex-husband that I could find that his name was Shabiznis. I wonder if a life event took place or did she just wake up one day and decide that her last name was no longer something she wanted? It's not the shortest, easiest process in the world to change your last name. So it's intriguing. She legally changes her name to Taylor Business in 2017. And this is pure coincidence, but I'm going to throw it out there. Taylor Coronado was living in Houston, Texas in 2017. And there was a woman named Denise Coronado. They're unrelated. This is in Houston. Denise Coronado was 19 years old and she's a criminal. She had spotted this 14-year-old girl walking down the street, and Denise, this 19-year-old, kidnaps her, holds this 14-year-old girl captive in the woods for five days, where she tortures the poor girl into submission. I mean, she would light out cigarettes on her body. She would threaten her. And for two weeks, Denise would drag this girl to these seedy motels and force her to be by 26 different men who paid Denise for the girl's services. 26 different men raped this 14-year-old girl before she managed to escape. Okay, now you're talking about a total different case. Yes, this is why some people speculate she changed her name out of nowhere. And allegedly, Denise was there during all of the assaults, watching, making sure that this 14-year-old girl did not try to run away. And it's kind of crazy to think that Denise was a 19-year-old who was doing this. Uh Now, coincidentally, Denise Coronado lived in Houston, Texas. She was 19 and Taylor Coronado lived in Houston, Texas, and she was 19 at the time. And this case blew up. And I don't know. I I personally don't think that they look similar, but maybe that's why she changed her name. People are just kind of trying to find a life event. So this is the speculation. This is a very vague, coincidental speculation. Or maybe it was like two birds, one stone. She had always wanted to change her last name, but maybe she got thrown off by the lengthy legal process. Do you think it has anything to do with sometimes what if she thinks changing the name will disassociate her record somehow in the past? Yeah, it could be that. She could be moving out of Texas. Mm. She could be trying to move to a different state. I mean, the criminal justice system still will connect the dots. Mm. And, you know, when you do background checks, it'll still connect the dots. Mm -hmm. But... Maybe it's easier on Google, maybe? Yeah, maybe, because you don't get her mugshot immediately. Because, you know, Mm. when you can Google people's names and their mugshot pops up? Maybe. It could be Denise. I have no idea, but just very interesting. I don't really like doing chores around the house, I'm going to be honest with you, and I especially used to hate doing laundry. It was just one of my more tedious tasks. It takes so much time, and I often feel tempted to not even bother sorting out my clothes. But I've been trying to motivate myself to get a lot more organized, and I finally found a way to make doing my chores so much more interesting, so much more engaging, and that's by listening to audiobooks on Audible. You guys know me, there is nothing like playing a good psychological thriller. So obviously, that's what I've been listening to. I'm currently listening to The Housemaid by Frida McFadden. The main character, Millie, is out on parole and she's desperate for a job. She doesn't have any money. She's living out of her car and she gets this opportunity to be this rich family's housemaid. Millie agrees. 
even though there's just something really strange about the Winchesters. Especially the wife, Nina. She just seems to love finding ways to make Millie's life very difficult. The family is hiding something and Millie is hiding something and there's just so much tension between Millie and the husband. It's one of those stories that you can't stop listening to and I can't wait to finish it and start the next audiobook in this series. But if Thriller is not your thing, don't worry. Audible lets you pick from thousands of titles to find the perfect soundtrack to your day. You can find audiobooks from any genre, fiction, nonfiction, wellness, self-help. But they also have podcasts like this one, guided wellness programs, comedy, and originals. Living life without using Audible is like eating food with no seasoning. Sure, you still get your nutrients in, but it's missing that extra flavor, you know? So if you want to spice up your day, I highly recommend Audible. Audible members can keep one title a month to keep from the entire catalog. New members can try audible now free for 30 days visit audible.com slash rotten or text rotten to 500 500 that's audible.com slash rotten or text rotten to 500 500 to try audible free for 30 days i'm the type of person who's hyper aware of what i put in my body i have a lot of food intolerances and it feels like every year i discover new ones if you have allergies or ibs or you choose to avoid certain foods for personal reasons you know the food fomo is real and it's just not fun a month ago we went to jeju island which is famous for pork but because i'm allergic i was just standing there watching everyone gobble up the food and recently i almost gave up morning coffee because i'm so sensitive to dairy these days and black coffee just does not hit the spot thankfully i found out about minor figures and now i don't have to start my days on a bitter note literally minor figures is an oat milk brand they're 100 percent plant-based carbon neutral and b corp certified so not only do i get to enjoy my coffee but i don't have to worry about anything irritating my stomach there are no stabilizers or additives and what i love is that minor figures barista oat really helps showcase the natural characteristics of the coffee it's not just there to carry the coffee flavor but it enhances it so you know how at home coffee never hits the spot like coffee shop coffee with minor figures it does you can really taste the coffee versus the oat milk it's delicious you can buy their products online at us.minorfigures.com you can also discover fun games music playlists and explore their store locator to see where you can buy minor figures near you for my listeners in denver and new york minor figures is also now available at whole foods she changes her name and the very next year she marries Warren and this is the guy that she has a kid with and like I said their marriage is strange apparently he's in prison for an unrelated charge and he's also totally okay with the fact that she's having intimate relations outside of their marriage while he's in prison he even knows about Shad he knows that they're friends with benefits that they're hooking up and it was weird because at the same time, Taylor would flood her Facebook page with quotes about staying loyal to your man forever, waiting for the right one forever, even when times get tough. It's interesting because from Shad's Facebook post, it seems like a lot of these are his inner voice. Yeah. But for Taylor's, it, you know, it doesn't sound like that's her real voice. Yeah, it feels, I think that's the craziness of this case. Um, Shad's Facebook, when you look at it, it feels vulnerable and it feels so authentic. And meanwhile, Taylor, it's like you would never know what she's thinking just by looking mm -hmm. at her Facebook. Yeah. Because if you look at this Facebook page, you just think it's just another normal girl. Okay, her husband's in prison. But other than that, it's pretty normal. Now, there is a lot to unpack on Taylor's Facebook. But one repost that's going to stand out to a lot of people is that she shared statistics and like this whole quote about female on male domestic violence, saying that it's a double standard, saying that women can hurt men too and we need to protect male victims as well. This was just three months before she beheaded her boyfriend. What? Now let's piece together the story. 
A lot of hunters use serrated blades. Even if you're not a hunter, you probably have a serrated blade in your home. It's in an unassuming location, in your kitchen drawers, a bread knife. Sure, it'll be duller, weaker, less easy to use than a hunter's knife, but it gets the job done. There's a reason that bread knives are included in most knife sets. Let's be real, we all practically buy pre-cut bread, right? Serrated edges, they make it easy for you to cut through the bread's hard, crunchy, crispy exterior without harming the soft interior. This is the exact same reason hunters gravitate towards serrated blades. Its rigid edges help cut through tough tissue. The blade will grab the tissue it comes in contact with and shred it from the surrounding tissue, separating the two. For those reasons, it's often considered easier to cut through living bones and cartilage with a serrated blade, essentially a heavy-duty bread knife. And it's terrifying to think just how many hidden weapons of destruction that we have in our own homes. The basement in Tara's home was kind of Shad's lair, if you will. It's where he hung out. It's where he posted those cryptic Facebook posts. It's where he tried to build a life for himself. The basement used to be completely unfinished, just wooden beams, concrete floors, exposed walls and ceilings. But as time went on, they started converting the place bit by bit. There was a shower installed, a bathroom. They remodeled some areas with a mattress on the ground, as well as like this entertainment area of sorts. Listen, it's not a luxurious five-star resort, but it's what Shad called home. And soon the place would be covered in blood. Blood would smear all over the concrete floors, under the mattress that was left on the floor, down the shower drain. I mean, the whole thing could be seen through a filter of red. It was in that very basement that Tara's life felt like it was coming down on her, pressing her into the ground until she felt like she was going to suffocate. She felt like she was going to faint. She had seen something that no mother could have ever been prepared for. I mean, when you have a kid, no one tells you one day they might die before you. One day, you might see your child's severed head in a bucket. Alongside the bucket were two knives, a cocktail of bodily fluids, a hacked-off severed male organ, presumably Shad's penis, was also left in the black bucket alongside his head. Somehow, Tara managed to pick up the phone and dial 911. Please, you need to hurry. She's screaming into the phone. When the police rush to the scene, they see the entire place, not just the bucket and knives at the bottom of the stairs. The entire basement was a bloody crime scene. It looked like someone had attempted to clean it up, but they weren't that thorough. They weren't that competent. In fact, there was a lot of smeared blood as if someone had tried wiping it away, but couldn't get the job done. The floor, the walls, the mattress, the shower. I mean, blood was quite literally everywhere. Other key pieces of evidence found at the crime scene were a glass pipe, a baggie containing some sort of light-colored powder material. We don't know for sure what this powder material is, but, I mean, we have reason to believe that it's meth, and you'll soon see why. The police had to ask Tara to recount the worst moments of her life over and over again, and they needed all of the details. They needed to make sure that they had the right person, they had a strong case. So Tara, with strength and bravery that I can't even fathom, she managed to tell the story again to the police. Last time I saw Shad was Monday, February 21st. It was maybe 9.30 at night. Shad's girlfriend, or, well, friend, I don't know. Her name is Taylor. Taylor came to pick up Shad so that they could hang out. They left the house, and I personally didn't see them coming back home that night, but my boyfriend, who was sleeping over, he had seen them come home. Now, all day Tuesday, the next day, Tara said that she did not interact with either of them all day. She wanted to give them their space. So Tara left the house, spent the day with her boyfriend outside, and when she got home Tuesday night, she saw that there was a minivan parked outside the house. 
not on the driveway, but like on the street in front of the house. So Tara just assumed that was Taylor's car. She's sleeping over. She's hanging out. And since we're talking about full grown adults, 24 year olds, Tara probably didn't want to be the one of those moms that popped her head in the basement. Honey, is that you? Are you there? What are you doing? She wanted to give them space. She wanted to give her son privacy. She didn't go downstairs. She didn't make it known that she was home. I mean, she wasn't hiding. She wasn't tiptoeing around, but she was just giving them privacy. Tara said that she did hear Taylor talking at one point, so it confirmed Taylor was home with her, with her son, Shad. Tara falls asleep, wakes up around 3 a.m. to the sound of the front door being slammed shut and a vehicle just scurrying away. That's when she went downstairs and found the bucket. The fact that Tara was able to keep her composure long enough to give the police this detailed recollection of events is beyond me. She was even able to provide an in-depth description of Taylor business, the girlfriend, which would serve to be pivotal in this case. The police start moving fast. I mean, it was easy to find Taylor. It's not like she was on the run. She was at her home address, practically waiting to get arrested. When Taylor business was initially brought in, there was blood all over her, like I said. Her hands were tinted in blood. She had cuts and scratches on her arms and hands, as if someone had been fighting her off. When asked how she got those, she just said, Oh, I did it to myself. Self-inflicted. Nobody believed her. They brought her into the interrogation room, and they start grilling her on what she knew and what she didn't. Taylor claimed that she didn't remember a lot of stuff. She said that she was confused. She had blacked out. The past few days have been a blur. Okay, Taylor, so tell us what you do know. Well, I know that Shad and I were hanging out in his basement smoking the bitch. The authorities were able to clarify that, aka the bitch, was meth. And another thing to note, Taylor would later say that they also took trazodone, which is this antidepressant. It's typically used to treat anxiety disorders, psychotic disorders, depression. It, it's, a, it's a prescription drug. It's pretty sensitive. It can have serious effects on the body, so it's typically highly tracked, administered at prescribed doses and times. But it's basically a serotonin modulator. It might be feasible that Taylor was prescribed for it for her anxiety and depression, and she ended up shooting it up. That's how she described it. Not taking it in the way that it was supposed to be taken. She was taking way too much of it, absorbing it in a way where it hit her system faster. And some people might do this in order to achieve some sort of high. Which, side note, there is no drug on the planet that you will not pay the price for later. Like, you will get super happy and excited if you do these types of things, but coming down is going to be twice as worse. Withdrawal symptoms can include shock-like sensations, suicidal thoughts, difficulty walking, trouble concentrating, even depersonalization, which is terrifying. Depersonalization is that scary feeling that some people might get when you start losing your sense of identity. You feel detached from your own body, your own sense of self, and overall reality. But more on that later. The police continue their questioning. Okay, and nobody came downstairs to the basement? Taylor confirmed Tara's story. No, it was just me and Shad down there, just the two of us. So what happened then? Taylor talked about how they were smoking more and more, and something about the bitch made them feel frisky. Things start getting hot and heavy, and the two of them start engaging in sex. Taylor claimed... Shad has always been into choking, into breath play. So he brought out these two silver link chains, like dog choke collars, to be exact. You know the ones where you pull too hard and it starts choking the dog? It's to de-incentivize them on pulling when you're walking them? Well, she claims he brought two of these out, one for her, one for him. This was nothing new, according to Taylor. They love strangulation during sex, which again, 
honestly, I'm all for it. Go for it if you're doing it safely with two consenting adults. You know, I don't think that anything's wrong with it. Taylor said, Shad got on his stomach on the bare, unsheeted mattress. She wrapped the chain around his neck. So she's on top of him, straddling him, and he's facing the mattress. He's face down. She gets on top and she starts pulling. She starts choking him. But in that moment, the tension of this pulling is lingering in her muscles. Something snaps in her brain. Now, this is how she claims it happened. I don't particularly think that something snapped in her brain, but she claims something snapped. She just had to pull harder and harder. And the more she pulled, it's like her brain was getting off on this momentum and she couldn't stop. It was like this giant wheel that was rolling down a hill. It was was too late. That's how she makes it seem. Like she couldn't stop. She just had to strangle someone to death. She acknowledges to the police that Shad did indeed try to fight back. He was trying to push her off. He managed to turn around. And even Taylor, staring into this guy's face, seeing into his pleading eyes, she kept going. She kept choking him. She said she kept going until his face turned purple and blood was coming out of his mouth. She said, and I quote, I just went crazy. She did not break eye contact while she was waiting for him to die. And in a slightly contradictory note, she claims that she passed out at one point and then woke up to pull and choke again. She said she could still feel his heartbeat. He just refused to die, so she kept pulling tighter. That was her intention then at that point. Yes. She said, and I quote, but he kept rebuilding into muscle. I don't know what that means. Yeah. I mean, of course, the authorities are going to ask the questions that we have, which is, But why? Like, why Mm -hmm. did you keep pulling? It's impossible to believe that you just wanted to. Like, you just want to keep pulling? Her response was really chilling. She said, well, I had already gotten this far. I might as well go all the way and see what happens. And you know what? Yeah, I liked it. She explained that she never went into Shad's basement with the intention of killing him. But when she started choking him, she liked it so much that she couldn't stop herself. That's basically what she's telling the police. After she was certain that Shad was dead, she starts violating his corpse. She engaged in necrophilia. And of course, this is where people are drawing the parallels to Jeffrey Dahmer. She said she started performing oral sex on his penis, inserting sex toys into his mouth and into his anus. This went on. This necrophilia, the assault of this corpse of his body, went on for three hours after the murder. And when she was done, the realization, the gravity of her actions kind of hit her. I mean, I don't want to say it hit her full force, but it's like she knew that she needed to find a way out. I mean, I'm sure she ran a number of scenarios in her head. Maybe she would drag him to her van that was parked outside. But how could she do that quickly enough that nobody would see or spot her? That's a lot of weight to carry. It was going to be nearly impossible. She probably contemplated just leaving his body there. But she had been seen at his house. Of course, she would be the first suspect. Now, there's enough reason to believe that Taylor got off on the next act itself, on the dismemberment itself, because there's no logical reason that she dismembered Chad. It did not help her get away with the crime. It's not like she dismembered his body and got rid of all the evidence. Taylor said that she snuck upstairs to find some tools. She found a few knives in Tara's kitchen. She used Tara's own kitchen knives to murder her son while she was asleep upstairs. Tara grabbed a few knives found a bucket in the corner of the basement, and started getting to work. Shad had been dead for a few hours now, but decapitating someone, dismembering someone, especially in such a grisly manner, we're talking major blood loss. Sure, the heart stopped pumping blood, but it's a lot. Taylor planned for this. 
She kept most of Shad's body on the bed. She would just hang or suspend whatever limb or part of the body that she wanted to dismember over the edge of the mattress. And underneath that limb, she would put the black bucket. And she would just saw off the limb and all the blood would gather in the bucket. And then once the bucket got too full, she would take the bucket to the shower and empty it over the drain. She would go back and repeat this process and it would take hours. She sawed off his legs, feet, torso, even his genitals. She decapitated her lover's head by hanging his head off the mattress, placing the bucket underneath to catch the blood and sawing at his neck. For the other parts of his body, Taylor searched around for any old plastic bags that were lingering in the basement. She would fill them up with his body parts, just anything that she could find. Plastic grocery shopping bags, old tote bags, anything. This would have taken an incredible amount of time and energy. I mean, even just dismembering one limb could have taken hours. Taylor said once she had enough limbs stacked on top of each other in the bags, she started feeling paranoid. Oh, what if someone came downstairs? What if someone saw her? She started quietly transporting the body bags to her minivan in the middle of the street, but she only made one trip. She wasn't able to carry all the dismembered parts, so she just leaves a bunch of dismembered body parts and bags around the basement and his head in the black bucket with his genitalia. She just leaves it. What's the plan? No plan. I don't know about the other body parts, but it's speculated that the reason that she left his head in the bucket near the stairs was when she came back one final time, So she went once to bring all the body parts to her car. And I think her plan was to come back in and grab the head Uh along with maybe the rest of the bags of the body parts. Mm, So she she wasn't planning on just here you go. Yeah. Leaving it here. But she just left. It was weird. I mean, it's unclear what her plan was. If she was planning on disposing of all the other remains that she took in her van with her. We don't know because she never really did. Now, she does try to clean up the crime scene a little bit before she leaves. And it was bizarre. It's like the most half-assed job ever. I mean, to be fair, no amount of cold water or baking soda is going to be enough to clean that amount of blood off the mattress or the floors. But she just smeared the blood around. She kind of wiped it around. That's about it. She even tried to clean up the shower, but there was a ton of dried blood near the drain and on the shower walls and even outside on the floor leading up to the shower. But that was enough for Taylor. She was satisfied. She was ready to go home, get some sleep. She headed upstairs, walks out, slams the door shut, waking Tara up. And when Taylor was arrested, the police searched her van and found an empty crockpot box. You know, those slow cookers. Mm -hmm. They're big. The box that they come in is pretty big. Filled with plastic bags that were filled with Shad's dismembered remains, including his legs. When asked why she didn't take the full body, she said... I meant to, but the drugs were making me paranoid and lazy, so I forgot the head in the bucket. She said, and I quote, Damn, the head. I can't believe I forgot the head. The fact that someone was killed and she's amazed at how sloppy she was during the murder is insane. Now, the rest of Shad's body is um, in the basement, but what really creeped the officers out is that Taylor said that they would have fun trying to find his organs. Speculated that that they were hidden around the basement. Yeah. She also stated, you know, I didn't mean to kill Shad, but when I was choking him, I liked it. So I just kept going. I wasn't prepared. You know, killing him was completely random. The police asked, did you think this was the right thing to do? I mean, this is a moment to be remorseful. This is a moment to reflect on your actions and I don't know, try to be a human for a second. She just responded. Well, I did it anyway. So Where are we now? 
Taylor Shabiznes has been charged with first-degree intentional homicide, mutilation of a corpse, and third-degree sexual assault. She has pled not guilty by reason of insanity. Now, remember how Taylor had a husband, the father of her child, Warren Shabiznes? Mm -hmm. The internet was speculating on how he would react to this news. I mean, not only was Taylor actively cheating on him, she murdered her lover. I mean, it was a whole thing. Well, he posted on Facebook... He's in prison, but somehow he has Facebook and he's addressing Taylor. And he wrote, babe, I look at our pictures every day. They keep me motivated. They take my bitterness away. They keep a smile on my face. The world doesn't know us for who we are. They don't know the struggles we struggle with. Mental health, mental illness, postpartum, bipolar addiction. They play a big part in our choices that we've made. People probably want to know what happened the day of February 23rd, 2022. Drugs were given to Taylor from Shad while at his house. Yes, he's dead now, which I'm sorry for, and I'm sorry to his family. But the truth is, though, the drugs should have never been given to my wife because it's the drugs that caused her to do what she did. But yet, Shad isn't at fault here, and he's the one that provided her with the illegal drugs. I'm just continuing on. I just hope one day my wife will make it home because she doesn't deserve to be locked up forever. She's still the mother of our son. She's still my beautiful wife. And I want the world to know she is not who the news makes her out to be. With that being said, please don't judge because there's always two sides to every story. And I promise you, if you knew my wife, if you knew my wife like I know my wife, you wouldn't think or believe she could ever do something like this. He finishes off the letter with, Baby Boo, our son and I pray for you every day. We think about you nonstop. And we promise you that no matter what, we will always be here for you. Because that's the Shab business way. Stay strong and get better soon. We need you, Mommy Boo. We miss you and everything's going to be okay. Mwah, mwah, mwah. Hashtag free Taylor Shab business. Everything is going to be okay. Always and forever. My dogs will eat anything. I mean, I have two Frenchies and it's a daily struggle to keep them from trying to eat toilet paper, bees, even trash. My dogs have no idea what's good for them. And you know, that's okay because their job is to be cute. My job is to take care of them to the best of my ability. That is why I only buy the farmer's dog dog food. Think about it. Most dog foods claims it's made out of whole ingredients. But then why does it come in the form of these very crusty pellets? But dogs will eat anything you give them, even dry kibble. Most dog food claims that they're made out of whole ingredients. But when I stare at these dry kibbles, it's very hard for me to see the whole ingredients. And I always had to mix in bone broth or water because it would be so dry that my dogs would eat too quickly and they would hack it up. It just didn't look tasty. The farmer's dog believes that all dogs deserve to eat real fresh food. Food. That's why Farmer's Dog Dog Food is made from whole wheat and veggies and gently cooked in human-grade kitchens to preserve nutritional value. It makes me feel so good seeing my dog's little tails wagging. Sometimes Mango's entire butt will shake when it's time for their dinner because they know and I know that they're eating fresh, healthy food. It genuinely looks like human food. I've noticed such an improvement in how shiny and soft their coat is and their breath doesn't teleport me into another dimension anymore. I can see the veggies in their food. I mean, my dog always gains a little bit of weight this time last year just because they move around less when it gets a little bit colder. So I feel like it's very important to always watch portions in the winter months. The farmer's dog makes it easy to monitor my dog's portions. Our dog's meals arrive in pre-portioned, ready-to-serve packs, which is super convenient. All you need to do is tell the farmer's dog about your puppy or your dog, and they'll deliver personalized, vet-developed recipes for as little as $2 a day. And you can adjust the recipe selection, portion sizes, and delivery cadence according to your needs and schedule. 
schedule. Get 50% off your first box of fresh, healthy food at thefarmersdog.com slash mango. That's 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash mango. This is my favorite way to unwind at the end of a long day. I make myself some hot chocolate. I wrap up in my coziest blanket and I become Detective June Parkett. I don't actually become a detective, but that's how I feel when I'm playing June's journey. You play as June, and the story starts with you flying from London to New York to investigate the suspicious murder of your sister and brother-in-law. But that's just the first in a very long line of suspicious murders. There's so many family secrets, twists, and you get to uncover all of these mysteries through a series of hidden objects games. Like you search for hidden letters or other objects that help you advance in the story. The storytelling in this game is impeccable. I mean, every detail is important. It stimulates you because you feel like a detective. The game takes June literally all around the world, from New York to Havana to Paris, and you get to meet all kinds of characters. I do not trust any new characters at this point because everybody seems to have a hidden motive. And as the story is progressing, you can learn about new characters as you collect bits of information to build your photo album. I also really love the dialogue in this game and just how immersive it is. There are some scenes where you really feel like you are Detective June. There's mystery, murder, danger, even romance. Sometimes it does get a little intense, so if I feel like taking a break from all the crazy plot twists, I go back to my little private island. Okay, it's not little, it's actually huge. It's called Orchid Island, and I get to decorate it in any way that I want. I have a waterfall on my island, and I'm currently making a train station route. There's just something so satisfying about getting to color code everything and make sure all the pieces fit. It's such a cozy yet thrilling game. It's almost as satisfying as puzzling the pieces of June's family's mysteries together because, listen, I'm telling you, my husband will definitely find me on the couch later today playing June's Journey. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Warren Shabiznes has also updated his Facebook bio to say that he works for, quote, Queen Taylor Shabiznes, and he writes, I do trust my beautiful wife. I will do anything to protect her. Stay strong, baby boo. I love you. Here's another gem from Warren Shabiznes. This one has been edited for length, but he wrote, To make sure my queen knows that no matter if we're apart or not, I will do whatever is necessary to get her back next to me. Never will I ever give up on her, nor will I ever lose confidence in the Shabiznes empire. I mean what I say, and I say what I mean. Baby, I promise that I'm going to be coming to get you. It's our golden year, and best believe you'll be in my arms for it. Baby, stay strong and always know that your king knows how how to do one thing and one thing only. That's right, what we know best, the shop business shuffle hustle. Now calm down and tell yourself with confidence that you're doing a good job. It's only a matter of time till you're home, baby, and know that I'm here for you. Never have and never will give up on us. We will get through this together. Nothing or no one could ever replace the feeling I get when I'm next to your sexy ass. For real though, I love you. Love, King Poppy Boot, Shabiznes. Maybe it's too late for them to break up. Not because they have a child together, but side note, they have each other's names tattooed on their necks. So maybe it's cheaper to stay together with a killer than it is to get laser tattoo removal. Which, side note, if you think Warren Shabiznes is the only one that has positively lost his marbles, there are some guys commenting about Taylor's appearance, saying that she looks hot. Someone commented about her mugshot. What many commenters don't know is that the victim passed away happily. What? I know. The The response to this oh case has God. been insane. They continued, many men envy him greatly for what happened. He loved the masochistic world. Otherwise, he would not have agreed to this. I know it sounds crazy, but it's true. Many men love this and wish they were in his place, especially 
because she is a sexy and charming woman. Another person wrote about her mugshot. Wisconsin is full of sexy, evil people. Another commenter. If we're doing the math correctly, this woman is a 10 out of 10. Fairly attractive, but killer hot. Wisconsin smoking. Someone wrote, I can fix her. Another person was a bit more skeptical. They commented, I don't know what the fuck y'all are on, but she's not that good looking. And a commentator literally responded to that to say, well, she's good looking for a murderer. Yeah. What? It's wild. And another one read, I love a woman who could fucking kill me. These people need to seek help. I think these people need therapy. I just have no words. Now, a lot of weird things have been dug up about Taylor's Facebook. She had posted a picture of a bunch of words jumbled together like a crossword. And it's one of those posts that's like, the first word that you see is the way you'll die. And she wrote, haha, sex addiction. So that post has been analyzed to the depths of hell and back. There's another interesting post, and I wonder if the prosecutor will attempt to bring these up in trial. I highly doubt they'll be able to, especially not the sex addiction one, but there were some other cryptic posts. Taylor wrote, I went off and told an addict, I'll never stop buying you drugs because I can sit back and watch you die. Basically saying that she wants to fund this addict's addiction so that she can watch them die. And maybe that's how she felt about Shad. Like he's struggling, he's Mm -hmm. in a vulnerable position. And I mean, again, I don't know if we're reading too much into it, but it's just very creepy in lieu of what happened after. Now, the final pretrial hearing was scheduled for February 27th, so a few days before you're listening to this. The official jury trial as of right now is scheduled to start March 6th of this year, so in a couple of days. Taylor's defense attorney, Jolly, Attorney Jolly, that's his last name, is pulling out every trick in the book, and it does not seem to be working. The first order of business was Jolly's trying to get the judge to approve a non-jury trial. Yes, usually people benefit from working with jurors. I don't think that's going to apply in this case. I don't think so. The judge has denied the request. Then the attorney Jolly has asked for a few competency exams, three in total so far, because each one he's not getting the result that he wants. So he's trying to make sure that Taylor is fit to stand trial, and each time she's proven to be fit, and he keeps ordering a new one. There were a few interesting things that came out of her competency exams. So Taylor talked about how when she was 11 years old, her mom had died, and her mom took her heart with her, and I quote, gave it to a pedophile. So there is speculation that maybe Taylor was sexually assaulted when she was younger. Keep this in mind for later. But regardless, each time Taylor was found fit to stand trial. Attorney Jolly argued, no, 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 absolutely not. She is not fit to stand trial. He brought up the fact that she had mental health issues since she was in the seventh grade. She had been diagnosed with bipolar disorder as well as being psychotic, basically saying that she experiences times of psychosis. Now, I personally don't like this defense being brought up. It's one thing to factor in mental health, but to act like that is the explanation for her actions rubs me the wrong way. It stigmatizes mental health. It stigmatizes an entire group of people that have the same diagnosis. Studies have shown time and time again, people who are diagnosed as bipolar are no more likely to commit violent crimes than other members of the population. Like people who are diagnosed with mental health diagnoses, I mean, typically they're a bigger danger to themselves than they are to anybody else. But there is a loophole, a little loophole that Jolly is really trying to weasel his way into. A lot of these studies do state that all of this is accurate unless the subjects are diagnosed with mental health diagnoses and are abusing drugs and alcohol. Sometimes that can lead them down a darker path, but 
again, I don't really, I mean, I can't say I don't agree with the study. I don't know how thorough it is, but I feel like that's a very blanket statement. I think anyone diagnosed or not that abuses drugs and alcohol are more likely to do things that are just not admirable actions. Jolly is arguing that the diagnosis, along with the usage of meth and the antidepressants that were being abused, caused Taylor to act like that. He's saying that she wasn't in control of her actions. Meth has been found to worsen pre-existing symptoms of bipolar disorder. It has been found to cause manic episodes. They're arguing that with all these combinations, Taylor began hallucinating. Now, they argue that trazodone, the antidepressant, just on its own can have some severe side effects. It's not as common, but it's not impossible. The side effects include things like chest pain, irregular heartbeats, hallucinations, fainting spells, problems in concentration with memory, and even coordination problems, which I feel like Taylor did not have any coordination problems that night. Again, I don't really like this argument. I just feel like it stigmatizes mental health and the bipolar community. And it's just... Nobody forced Taylor to do drugs. Just to me, it's a whole thing. Anyway, a Redditor commented basically a conspiracy on this case. Now, I don't know where they got this information. It's not verified, but I want to put it out there because it takes little pieces and chunks of the information we've already been told and pieces it into this theory that a lot of people are intrigued by. The Redditor wrote, apparently she was sexually abused as a kid. She developed a rampant sex addiction, referencing her Facebook post. She was obsessed with Jeffrey Dahmer. I honestly think that she would have continued to commit these types of crimes if she hadn't been caught. Some say that she had already done something before she killed Shad. Why does this Redditor think that? Well, at one point, Shad posted on Facebook, maybe like a week before his death, something along the lines of, how could you do that to somebody that you know? You crossed the line and I'm done. People are saying that maybe he had witnessed her doing something to someone before. The Redditor continues, from what I've gathered, she had a hard upbringing. Clearly, the sexual assault really affected her. You had abandonment and other mental health issues and drug use, especially meth. Things are going to start going south. So that's what the Redditor thinks. A lot of people have agreed with the sentiment online. I think people are just having a hard time understanding how someone got to this point, how someone could do something so heartless. And maybe this is all true. But at the same time, it's it's still hard to have sympathy for Taylor Like, fine, maybe it wasn't premeditated in the sense that she didn't bring her own murder weapon. It wasn't the most well-thought-out, smart crime. But at the end of the day, this is a full-grown adult that chose to take this amount of drugs on her own free will, and she committed an act of violence, and she should be held accountable. But that's the angle the attorneys are taking. Well, at least that's the angle attorney Jolly, Taylor's attorney, was taking until Valentine's Day of this year, February 14th. There was a hearing held where Taylor and her attorney showed up, sat at the defense table while talking with the judge. The prosecutor's table were filled with attorneys that wanted to get justice for Shad and Shad's family. For most of the hearing, Taylor seemed a bit lethargic, if anything, just kind of zoned out like she was on a bunch of drugs. The whole thing was recorded, by the way. The camera turns to the judge and we hear a bit of like rustling. It's nothing significant it's nothing intense it doesn't sound like the start of like a mma fight but the camera pans back to where taylor is sitting with her hands handcuffed in front of her and she's whipping them around trying to smack her own attorney she's like trying to beat up her own attorney she's like windmilling her handcuffed hands in the air waving them around trying to the jolly dude yeah attorney jolly is trying to defend himself he's on a wheelie chair so he's like wheeling away from her he's on the wheelie chair like one of those office office chairs and he's like wheeling away from her Uh and a deputy rushes over tackles taylor to the ground she's still windmilling her arms whipping them back and forth trying to smack everyone that gets in her way and the weirdest part the part that people are raising their eyebrows about on this one 
Taylor gets wrestled to the ground. They give her a few minutes to calm down. Suddenly, she stops struggling and asks, What happened? The deputy tells her, You went off on your attorney, Taylor. You went crazy. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. The guard keeps her against the floor for like another minute but, and then helps her into a sitting position on a nearby wall. I don't know. It just seems like she's really going for this insanity plea. This whole like, what? I don't remember what just happened. I blacked out. There's a whole, whole it's all recorded? I believe so. Wow. So, um, so how did the judge take that? Not well. Yeah, the, the judge is already fed up with Taylor and her team because they keep prolonging this case. They keep pushing it back. They keep trying to create delays. And delays are useful in the sense that sometimes things take a lot of time. But delays, ultimately, they do kind of help the accused. You know, cases lose steam. They lose the public eye, the public attention. Witnesses get less interested. Witnesses kind of get fed up with all these court proceedings. It's just not great. So the judge was already fed up with Taylor and her team. And this this is very strange. Another thing to note is she's acting like she blacked out. She doesn't remember what just took place. And she said that she blacked out when she was killing Shad. But then she proceeded to give them a play-by-play on what she did to Shad. So did she black out? Did she not? Did she black out and then the memories came? I don't know. It's just all kind of suspicious. Well, defense attorney Jolly is no longer her defense attorney. The same day, he motioned to withdraw from the case due to her actions. He dropped her as a client, essentially. Which, can you blame him? Side note, a woman named Anne Schwartz, who wrote two books about Jeffrey Dahmer, said that she found sources that were very close to Taylor, who claimed that Taylor had this infatuation with Jeffrey Dahmer. She wouldn't reveal her sources, but it's very interesting to note. I'm interested to see how the trial plays out, but... I just find it hard to feel any sympathy at all for Taylor and her mental health struggles. I think it's interesting to see because anytime you have a female killer commit such a gruesome act of violence that is not in the name of argued self-defense, that's not one of these areas, it's interesting to see how the public responds. It's interesting to see how the jury responds. I mean, even some of the public talking about her looks and how hot she is, it's very strange. And, I mean, I do think that the decapitation is going to play a huge role in this. It's just cruel. There is a complete disregard for the people in Shad's life when you do something like that. These family members, they have the right to see him one last time, to put his body to rest, and she stole that from them. Shad's family have set up a GoFundMe, and Shad's uncle has come out to say, Shad was taken from us from what I can only assume is a monster. Shad was someone who had a good heart and soul. Shad, I love you so much, I can't even begin to describe what we're feeling. I think all we can do is hope that justice is served and support Shad's family in any way that we can. And to add to the trauma and grief, Shad's half-sister passed away unexpectedly December of 2022. So the same year they lost Shad and his half-sister. And I just hope that this family can get some closure after this trial. I hope that the trial gives them what they need to move on and maybe some peace to heal from their grief. But it doesn't seem like Taylor is going to make it easy for anyone. And that's the crazy case of Taylor Shaw business that has been highly requested. Let me know your thoughts and please stay safe. I'll see you guys on Sunday for the mini-sode, which will have the videos up on YouTube and Spotify as well. Bye.